The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITO Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITO coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all of the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayRx. You can find them at www.slayrx.com. SlayRx is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayRx was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes, and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayRx offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products, and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gels, try SlayerX Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running, and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2020 at checkout on their website, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, Pleasant2020. Test, don't guess, with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast possible. Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. Michelle, this is episode 138 of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, but it is episode number one that we are putting on YouTube. That's kind of scary. <laughs> did you wear like your Sunday best? I did. I yeah, wore my Sunday best. I definitely wore a shirt that I, I would be willing to wear to church. This is the Tokyo Marathon 2020 race t-shirt, as you can see. Um, I, I wore this because it is so ridiculously awesome. I, you know, it was one of those races where you didn't have to order the t-shirt if you didn't want it. And okay. I saw a picture of the t-shirt and I was like, that looks ridiculously awesome. Um, and so they told us when they canceled the race that they were going to send us like 
our heat blanket and our numbers and like the chips that go on our shoes and uh, the parkas that we would get at the end. And of course, a t-shirt if we ordered a t-shirt. Um, and uh, we received that in the mail last week and I opened it up and all the other stuff is great. And actually, honestly, all the other stuff is kind of sad. But the t-shirt is as ridiculously awesome as I thought it was going to be. So what are we looking at on the t-shirt? <laughs> I mean, since we all can see the t-shirt. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a solid t-shirt. It's made by Asics, right? I mean, so, so it's solid, actually a, a decent, so, so it's a decent t-shirt, right? And then over on this side, you know, just in case you need the legitimacy, it has the Abbott World Marathon Majors. By the way, this is Series 13. Did you realize that? No. <laughs> this this Jinx series is series 13 of the Abbott World Marathon majors, should have known. But yeah, but it has all these sort of little figures, avatars all over it. And so some of them are like pixelated. This guy, I think, is a fireman. Um, and then some of them are, are more, um, more, I guess, animated or, or, or drawn a little bit more cleanly like this, this woman with her dog. But then some of them are like, like out of proportion. They're kind of cartoonish like this guy who's holding the guitar and has a big square face. Um, and lest you be concerned, they do continue on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I was deeply concerned. Right. Um, so, so yes, no, it's not only the, the 40 to 50 different avatars you see on here, but there, there are several on the back as well. So yeah, there was no question when we said that we were going to be putting this on YouTube what shirt I was going to be wearing for our first YouTube episode. It is this ridiculously awesome Tokyo Marathon 2020 t-shirt. Yeah, we all, we're so happy you wore that. <laughs> right on, right on. Did you see, by the way, speaking of, of things that are awesome or things that you can do and all that sort of thing, did you see that the, uh, the, the Boston Athletic Association today sent out a newsletter and in that newsletter they had a link to different backgrounds you could put in Zoom? I think this might be the first time that you texted me something before I texted you. There we go. I'm pretty sure I was on a call or driving and I just said, what does it say, George? There we go. <laughs> yeah, That's what awesome I'm talking about. That. Yeah. So I'm trying to think here. So let's see if I can actually pull it up really quickly. But um, I saved a couple of them on my, my, my desktop so we could give them a try. They don't tend to work all that well uh, on my computer just because it doesn't. Yeah, see, so <laughs> there's, there's one of them. There's the, uh, the, the Boston Marathon logo seal there, as you can see, looking good. Um, and then let's see, there's another one. Um, there's uh, this background here, which, as you can see, is the starting line. Oh, that's pretty cool. So it is pretty cool. I mean, if it worked, it would probably look a lot cooler than it does here. I, I, I feel a little bit creepy but you know yeah, you look pretty creepy um, yeah and then and then they had one lots of different like action scenes from it um and so here's here's another action scene of like a lot of the runners actually taking part in the race there so and my head just floating above them so <laughs> um very nice very nice but but yeah all these different things that uh that, that you can actually put on your background to impress all of your co-workers there so uh, I will get cool to stuff. that email today, but I have not yeah. got to it yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's, it's funny the way that people are adjusting to Zoom and stuff like Star Wars uh, ahead of May the 4th next week, Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. Um, the, the, they put out a whole bunch of different uh, backgrounds as well. So we're going to be talking more about Zoom here in just a minute. But tell me what you've been up to for the past week or so, Michelle. Um, yeah, I pretty much just kind of seem to have had a status quo week, um, got in some good running. The weather's been amazing. So I'm definitely loving the 48 to 52 degree mornings. I know it's going to leave us soon and not come back for what seems like an eternity. So um, things are pretty good. I had one complete failed school at home day. So, okay. um, you know, I guess this is just the new normal and we're doing the best we can. Right on. How much more school at home days do you have? I have 
two of three children in one school and that school has actually said that they're potentially going to go back on May 15th. They go Mm -hmm. until June 10th or 12th. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine him doing that, but he has not officially canceled school for the end of the year. Um, My daughter that's in the Howard school, they confirmed several weeks ago that school would be virtual through the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So um, the the school system that my sons are a part of also has confirmed that they're going to be going through the end of the year. And and they've confirmed it with, I think is, is really good reasoning. They're like, you know, this is sort of our reality here and we're not okay with just canceling a part of the school year. Uh, But there's a lot of, of districts around Metro Atlanta where we both live uh, that have canceled the last couple of weeks of the school year for some of their students, if not for all of their students. Um, and is so. there anything additional for those counties? Are they going back early? Mm-hmm. I mean, where are they going to make up no. these days? They're not, you know, I, so, so a lot of, a lot of systems are doing like a more robust summer school uh, offering and our system's doing that as well. Um, and then I think some of them are, are hoping that they're going to be able to, to go back a little bit earlier um, and maybe start the school optionally two weeks earlier than they would otherwise. Um, wow. I, I, I don't, I don't think that's actually going to happen. I don't think they're going to be able to pull that off, but, but I, I, I very much think that, that one of their, their thoughts behind ending the school year early is thinking they're going to be able to start early, uh, in the, in the, in the fall, in the late summer. Um, right. and I don't know whether that's going to happen or not. I guess we'll kind of see, um, we're going to start talking about things kind of opening up and, and, and not returning to normal, but at least phasing out some of the quarantining and sheltering in place here in just a minute. Um, you've been making omelets and going for walks too, right? Yeah, I would say. That's the positive um, side of being with your family. <laughs> as opposed to, you know, something digital or accessible by a device this week. Um, I've probably had the most enjoyment um, from some hiking and I don't know, I got really into fancy omelets. So um, just doing all that prep work and. Can you flip them? What? Can you flip the omelet? No, this is not Waffle House. How do you make it if you can't flip it? Seriously. I mean, I just fold it over. Okay, so that's all you got to do? And it still counts as an omelet? I mean, you saw the picture. Did it look, it you, you, good, didn't you, it? you sent me a picture of like all the fixings getting ready to go into the omelet. You, you didn't send me a finished oh, product. You need product. final product pictures. I'll take yeah. care of that. <laughs> all right, I appreciate that. I have actually considered buying an omelet plate because I or an omelet pan because because I enjoy omelets, but I'd never make them on my own. My yeah. wife made my wife made a, a super fancy brunch this past weekend because my sons, who are the the children of a travel agency owner and have traveled more than any other six year olds that you know, um, uh, are missing getting to have brunch in various places fabulous places around the world. And so, uh, so, so one of them, you know, said, well, can we have brunch? And my wife made this really incredible brunch over the weekend, which was kind of cool and that, which they loved. Um, so that was fun. What happened to all the leftovers? So, oh, we're eating them. So, which is great. Okay. <laughs> like a lot <laughs> of amazing great. food. I've been eating homemade granola every morning for breakfast since then. It's been nice. Um, and then you're training for your virtual 10K or not your virtual 10K, your 10K time trial. Yeah, you keep calling it virtual, but I'm not doing a virtual 10K. I'm doing it just to see. So you all were giving me a hard time a couple of weeks ago about saying that, that the easiest way to troll me is to talk about UNC. The easiest way to troll you is to talk about the, the virtual 10K that you're going to be running. Yeah, so I decided I need something to do um, besides just going out and running. And I thought I took it from uh, one of the podcasts that Des Linden was just on to mm-hmm. just set up a time trial. So um, I'm going to run it on the track early right June on. and going to hopefully rally a few other people to suffer with me. I, I have someone that'll pace me if I want him to. 
I think I convinced another ITL member to join in on the fun yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, and you so too. Us, so there'll be some major like, what's your workout? What's your workout? Right on. Why do you give that to you? Why do you give that to me? So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Very we'll see good. How it goes. If anyone else wants to do a 10K time trial on the track in early June, let us know. And you're and you happen to be the Atlanta area during that time, by all means let us know. And and we'll have to see sort of what the what the general guidelines are around, you know, the number of people we can actually gather together for your virtual track time trial, uh, virtual 10K here, but we'll see. Um, no, it's for real though, the fact that you're doing it on the track, that's kind of that's kind of cool. That's I'm what that. people think is so cool. So mm -hmm. I'm surprised. I thought nobody would jump for that. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I've spent hours and miles on that track in the dark by myself. So mm -hmm. to me, it feels just like another workout in a way. But um, mm -hmm. it's also something that I feel like we can put on the calendar. It'll make the training a little bit more focused. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if Boston does happen in September, you know, there's plenty of time. I mean, this can all just be kind of part of a, a longer marathon buildup. Um, Absolutely. If Boston doesn't happen, then summer's a great time to race some five and 10 Ks. So. Right on. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. 10 uh, K on the track, 10,000 meters on the track, 25 laps. It's a different kind of challenge. Um, yeah. I've, I've run maybe five, I want to say uh, in my, in my running career. And uh, it's ignorance it, is bliss. So no, um, and, and <laughs> um, it's just, it's just very intense. Um, it's, it's very, there, there's not the breaks. And so if you think about like running, running a road race, you go up a hill and then you kind of crest the hill and you kind of get a slight breather. There's none of those slight breathers. It's just kind of nose to the grindstone the whole time. Um, but it's the kind of thing you like, you're intense. So. Yeah. Stop. Like, are you, I don't know if you're talking me out of it. I'm going to do it. No, so. no, no. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I'm, I'm saying it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a it's a good challenge. Um, and so, and, and, but you'll run fast. You'll definitely run well. And so, so I'm excited about that. Very good. Very good. I have not been running really at all. <laughs> I, I haven't. So, because my, my hamstrings still bother me, but I, but I've also been doing a ton of indoor cycling. And those of you who were listening to the podcast about a month ago, you remember I did a cold open in which I said, I wanted to try out a bunch of different cycling platforms. And if anybody wants to volunteer to try them out and come on the podcast and discuss them with me, I'm looking for volunteers and two people stepped up to volunteer. Um, one of them is a, uh, a long time, uh, friend and athlete that I coached for a while. I don't coach her anymore, but, uh, she's been listening to the podcast for years. She lives out in Austin, Texas now, um, and was uh, a runner and then a triathlete and then a bike racer. And she's a bike racer now. She has a lot of experience in cycling then. Um, and then the other one we've actually had on the podcast before, Ben Holiday, who did the, uh, the Cruel Jewel 50 slash 56 mile race um, uh, and, and did a race report on us for last year. And so we've all been trading emails and trying out different things and all that sort of thing. Quick preview, Zwift, I still just am not all that into it. I got a one month membership on Zwift and I'm still just not feeling it. And we'll, we'll talk what? about why that is. Yeah. So, why? I mean, I don't know much about these cycling platforms, but Zwift is. Zwift, you can run range. on it too. Well, so, so I, I think the biggest thing that Zwift has going for it is the sheer number of people that are on it. I really do think that's, that's the biggest thing it has going for it. It's almost, um, but I, I think as a product, it's fine. Um, but, but it's been around for a little while. So they've worked out a lot of their kinks. Um, and, but just, it's so crowded. I mean, there's so many, 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 many people on there and there's so many events to do and, and there's so many different options on there. Um, literally 24 hours a day around the world. Um, and so I, I think that's the biggest thing it has going for it. But for me, and there's, 
a few reasons why, but I just, it just doesn't fire me up. I'm just not into it. I, I subscribed to Fullgaz, which is fantastic, um, which is a virtual riding platform, which I absolutely love. Um, and so I did a ride on it over the weekend and loved it. I did a race on it yesterday and loved it. I did an easier ride on it today and loved that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm super fired up about that. Um, the other, only other thing I'll say about it, Trainer Road, which we've talked about on this podcast before, uh, because of sheltering in place and locking down, they went ahead and rolled out their group functioning, which is basically it, it adds like Zoom type capabilities into their regular app. Um, and so you can do a group workout with four other people at a time and they're on the screen with you. And it is surprisingly good. Like I didn't think I would really be into anything like that. And it's great. Um, and so like tomorrow morning and Friday morning, I'm meeting four other people, which is the maximum number of people you're allowed to have. And we're all going to be doing a workout together. You know, they're going to be in their space. And I'm going to be in mine, but, but we'll all be together on this online space in this virtual space, uh, doing the same workout. Um, and I have found that surprisingly, surprisingly satisfying. Is there a time limit for, on trainer road for that? No, there's, I mean, there's, there, you mean a time limit for the feature or a time limit for how long you can do the group workout? I mean, if you guys want to ride three hours on your mm -hmm. trainer, you go mm -hmm. as long as you want, mm -hmm. all four of you together? Yeah, I assume so. Yeah. I mean, we haven't done a workout that was longer than an hour. Um, but even when the workout's over, we just kind of sit there and, and it says <laughs> workout finished on the screen and we sit there and finish talking about whatever we were talking about, you know? Um, but, but no, they have, they have rides on, on trainer road. They're up to six hours long. And presumably you could, you could get people in there and hang out for six hours and just spin away. So like I said, I, I'm surprised at how good it is. It's hard to hear people with uh, the bikes and the fans and stuff going for sure right. and the heavy breathing and stuff, but it's surprisingly good. Um, and, and I've actually taken to it much more than I thought it would. So much so, and same thing I could say for full guys, I will continue to use these things even after, uh, even after all this stuff is done. So, so yeah. Cool. Speaking of Zoom. I pointed you to an article that I read about Zoom that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Especially because you had a how long meeting on Zoom this week? I had a seven and a half hour meeting on <laughs> Zoom. We had a 10 minute break every 90 minutes and about a 20 minute break for lunch. Um, I had all these plans once I was done because it started in the sevens and ended at like 2.30 Eastern time. And by the time it was done, I could not believe how fried I was. I was right. exhausted. I was mentally tapped out. I I just cannot believe how much focus and energy it took to sit on a video conference for, I guess, essentially the whole day. I mean, why, why did you do a seven? I mean, not why did you, why did whoever organized it? Why did, why was there a necessary to have a seven and a half hour? Like, so there's eight of us at my firm on a leadership team and we are working with a business coach and this was the second quarter planning and it would typically just sort of almost be at a different location, like a one day thing where the coaches come in from out of town. Mm -hmm. um, it's the name of the company that does it is called Petra. Mm -hmm. And this was just basically to reevaluate everything that we did first quarter, like review our goals that we set individual firm wide and plan for the second quarter. And we took surveys before it. I mean, it's a whole, you know, they say follow the trust the process. So, okay. um, sort of a boutique accounting yeah. financial advisory firm and there's a, things seem to either they're going to go one way or another and so we felt like it was time to bring in uh an outside set of you know eyes and knowledge of 
how to grow a business. So this is sort of just part of the program. Um, so, so this this would be professional development that, that would be happening in person, but they just converted yeah. it to a seven and a half hour Zoom meeting. Yeah. All right. Yes. Well, that, 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 that sets me up to talk out what, what I wanted to talk about this article about Zoom that we, it's been it's been put in various places. Um, I actually posted on my personal Facebook page, the BBC version of it. But I think right. you mentioned that it was on Business Insider, right? Um, and a couple of yeah, other I did see something on Business Insider. I don't I ended up just going back to your page and just I wanted to make sure we had read the same article before we talked mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if it's the same exact piece, but I have to assume that it's similar because I've seen it circulating yeah. on everything. Yeah, me too. And, and, and but it's super interesting, but it, it talks about why it is that basically working on Zoom and spending time on Zoom uh, can drain you more and can leave you uh, feeling more exhausted at the end of the day than having simply having a seven and a half hour meeting or having, um, you know, a, a regular work day where you go into the office and you're with everybody in person. Um, the first one, the first reason they mentioned this makes perfect sense is that we have to pay closer attention to pick up people's nonverbal cues. Um, right. And so I think it's easier with me and you right now. Um, and even if Patrick was here, um, which he couldn't be because he's like working nights and stuff right now. Um, but, but what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, <laughs> but, but he's probably on zoom with somebody right now, but it's just not us. Uh, and he's yeah. talking about, you know, much less interesting and much less fun stuff. But, um, but, but like with just the two of us, I can like look at you and pick up on your nonverbal cues. But when you have a room filled with people and you're kind of looking at all the pictures at the same time, trying yeah. to pick up on all these different nonverbal cues is, is difficult. Um, which I totally appreciate and can understand. Um, in addition, it talks about that, that there's always sort of this underlying tension and stress about the technology. Right. And so like, like in a meeting, if you say something to me in a meeting and I sort of pause, you can see me yeah. like reflecting on it and thinking of it. Right. But if there's right. a pause in, in a zoom meeting, particularly if like there's been stuff going on with the technology, you're worried about whether the person's being non-responsive or, or why they're being silent, or maybe the technology has just failed and they didn't hear that really, really good point that you just made or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. You know? kind of, even if there was like less, like up to 1.2 seconds of silence that mm -hmm. you make the assumption that the other party is unfriendly or unfocused or. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Which is incredible. 1.2 seconds of silence. That's that much silence yeah <laughs> but 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 that that's how long it takes basically for you to notice a silence and to, to draw a conclusion about it um and and on zoom you tend to draw some pretty negative conclusions just from 1.2 seconds of silence um right. the social pressure you and i talked about this actually before we came online the social pressure of being on stage yeah you that, feel like you have to perform almost yeah yeah i mean and and it's you know, everybody's looking at you constantly and so like if you think about when you're in a meeting and everybody's looking at the person who's talking. Um, and so nobody might be looking at you while somebody else is talking. So, so you might be able to look away or do something else or scratch your face or whatever it wants to be. If you're on Zoom, you're constantly on the camera. And so there's always, you're always right in front of everybody, even if you're not the person who's currently talking. Right. Um, and so, so, so you're under this constant sort of social pressure of being on stage. Um, and they, they also mentioned that that doesn't go away even when you're doing it for, for social reasons. Like even if you're, if you're Zooming with your friends or even like this Zoom that we're doing for the podcast, which you said this week on Facebook was the highlight of your week. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I mean, but I've really enjoyed obviously. Um, and, and we've been like super consistent with the podcast during this time, I think, because we're both enjoying it. Uh, and Patrick is too. But, but, um, but even during this time, like, like that doesn't go away. Um, so yeah, what do you mean? What do you think about that? I know that anytime I sort of, the mic my mic was off 
but my video was on, um, if I looked down to send a text message or, mm -hmm. you know, looked at, I have three monitors at home. So it's like, people can see you looking, if you're looking left or you're mm -hmm. looking right. And then the chat box, I will get a message just from a colleague that's, you know, privately to me. That's like, who are you texting? Like what's more important? <laughs> and it's all in the name of humor um, because mm -hmm. we're all doing it to each other. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, it's a constant, um, mm -hmm. You're on camera. I mean, you're literally on camera. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah you feel it <laughs> for sure. I mean, and, and like one of the things that they suggested was that you turn off the cameras, um, which I, I can That's appreciate not working for my company and my colleagues and my clients. It's yeah. if you don't have your camera on, people are pretty much like, Hey, why is your camera off? Mm -hmm. um, so. I mean, well, I mean, I, so I had a, I had a class this morning that I taught. It was my last class semester with some students and I had, a group of 15 students basically. Um, and probably I think three of them had their video on. Um, and, and I can't help but wonder, okay, the remaining 12 that didn't have their video on, were they really paying attention? I mean, what were they? And, and I think that they were because they would type things in the chat box and stuff like that, you know, but, but I just don't really know what's going on with them. And I'm not, I'm not a, been so. in, bed in their pajamas and just, Oh yeah. Them their camera on <laughs> yeah totally or they could have been in bed like totally asleep and that's the reason why they didn't turn their camera on they just kind of checked in the meeting and then checked out you know right i don't know but um but then they, they also suggested that like you could you could turn your camera so it's like facing something else and not necessarily facing you um i mean i definitely think that from the the virtual meetings i've been in when the cameras are off i i, I definitely feel less stressed i get up and i walk around the room and stuff like that you know yeah. whereas if the I camera's on i can't get up and walk around the room you know um, yeah, when I get uh, really into a conversation, I mean, I think I've been known to pace my office back and forth. Mm -hmm. So um, you yeah. can't do that. Someone expects you to sit on camera. Right. But yeah, right. by seven hours in, I think I'd run 10, nine miles that Thursday morning. I mean, I was literally standing up, sitting down. My legs were cramping. I mean, I was in all <laughs> sorts of agony. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, just I remember sending people a message that was like, this is not for me. I cannot do this. I cannot sit all day. I cannot mm -hmm. be on a call all day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think it was just having to be there and on camera was mm -hmm. I found really hard. Well, all. you know, so some of the people that, that, that my wife, so my wife's friends have talked about how, how they work from home. They're, they're remote workers, but, but this is more stressful for them because they're having to do be on camera more. Um, yeah, and so, so, never, so they, they normally call into a meeting. So everybody else is in the meeting and they're just on the phone. But right. now that everybody's on Zoom or everybody's on Discord or whatever they happen to use, like since everybody's together, then they have to be on camera and that's just fundamentally more stressful. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. Um, they also talk about sort of the overarching stress of this whole situation. Um, and they, they said that particularly that video calls are a stark reminder of all the bad things are going on. Like we shouldn't have to be doing this. Right? We should be with each other. <laughs> right, right, right. Which I think that's interesting too. Um, that, that, um, that if you get frustrated about the video calls, it's like suddenly all of your frustration about the whole situation just comes flooding through. And I think that's, I think that's a good point. Um, that, you know, we shouldn't even have to be doing this, you know, <laughs> I mean, just right. cause you know, and, and, and I, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, it also mentioned like speaking of the, the overarching stress of the, the situation, a lot of people feel pressure to perform in the video calls because a lot of people's jobs are not as secure as they were say four months ago. And right. so, so there's more pressure that, that, oh, I might be blowing it on this video call or I might not be appearing the way I should be appearing or as engaged as deeply as I'm supposed to be engaged in this particular conversation, this meeting. And so 
therefore my job actually might be in jeopardy. In jeopardy. Yeah. I haven't felt that as much, but I totally think that, you know, nationwide, uh, that's the general feeling. Mm -hmm. so. For sure. For sure. The last thing that they mentioned in the article in the piece, and I do encourage folks to go out and read it, is they talked about what's called self-complexity theory. Um, and they basically, self-complexity theory basically argues that in order to be a psychologically, mentally healthy person, you need to have lots of different context-dependent roles. So you need to be a father in one space and an athlete in another space and, and a socialite in another space and a worker in another space. And like all of these different spaces that if you have all this different context-dependent roles, that that's what makes you emotionally and, and socially and, and psychologically healthy. Um, and normally those things literally take place in different physical spaces. Um, but now they're all physically taking place in the same spot. <laughs> they're right. all taking place on Zoom. And so like the same Zoom that you use for your, for your work call is the Zoom that you use to record your podcast. And it's the same Zoom that you use to talk to you to, with your kids to their grandparents. Um, and it's the same Zoom that you use to play trivia with your friends on Saturday night. Like not being able to go out into wider spaces um, in some ways compromises the different roles that you can play um, and, and can leave you more vulnerable to negative, negative feelings. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. I mean, what do you think about that? I do think that's interesting. I do think that um, I kind of wonder where the whole self-complexity theory falls in with you know, all of the heightened anxiety and depression. Is it really, you know, like this, the medical anxiety and depression, or is it really just all circumstantial because mm -hmm. we do have to do everything basically. I mean, I'm almost in like a 10 by 10 room all day. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's a interesting. And now, and now you're in what, like a, like a six by two room, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I think you know my other options and what happened right before we hit record, this is probably the best spot for me to be in right now. So um, yeah, I'm happy in my closet. I mean, that's, you know, I'm locked in my closet. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> right on, right on. You have a white background. You know, I've heard that Zoom backgrounds look better if you have like a black background or particularly like a green screen. Maybe that thing, that white that's behind you can hang a green screen on that and you can be like, like yeah, I mean, on the Death Star. Just go to Home Depot this weekend and buy a gallon of paint and paint the wall just for yeah. our Zoom podcast. I, I think you should have it delivered, but but okay. I'm with it. If you want to do that. So we might be able to pay for that out of some sponsorship funds. <laughs> I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, so since we were talking about the stress of the whole situation, all that sort of thing, um, we are of course located in, in and around Atlanta, Georgia, as we've talked about several times before, Georgia got a lot of attention last week because uh, the governor of the state of Georgia had probably the most aggressive reopening plans. Um, and so without going into like, whether it's too early or too late or anything else like that, I will say that that um, there are a lot of places that are starting to look to the next phase or the next part of this whole saga, um, and that is is starting to open back up. And so, some places like you know places here in Georgia are starting to actually open back up in some limited fashion, um, but in most places the conversations are at least starting about how to open back up. And that includes opening up around races because the entire infrastructure around running has been, and, and, and triathlons and, and all sorts of endurance races has been completely blown apart. Um, every race has been canceled. We can't even meet for group workouts and that sort of thing. Um, you know, the gyms have all been closed. The swimming pools have all been closed. 
Um, and so the conversations are just now starting about, okay, we don't know exactly when it's going to be, but when it is, how's what it going to look? Like? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What have you seen? Um, well, I found a lot of the stuff surrounding triathlon. I mean, I think Ironman still has some stuff on their schedule, really mm -hmm. not that far into the future from right now. Yeah. Um, the big discussion around that seemed to be people aren't in the water right now. Like we can't mm -hmm. just throw them into a swim. So maybe mm -hmm. we cancel the swim. Mm -hmm. And then I also saw stuff about plus, plus the swims are the most chaotic part of the entire race. Yeah. So, so, so if you think about like trying to control how much people are mixing with one another and all that sort of thing in a swim, everybody's just in the water. Um, so I agree with that a hundred percent, but I feel like the focus of almost everything I read was more on safety for the athletes and their mm -hmm. fitness level. And sure. people aren't swimming at all. Like literally, unless you have a lap pool in your backyard, most people mm -hmm. don't have access to any type of pool. So, mm -hmm. um, I also, you know, maybe they would just do a rolling start, like mm -hmm. not just for hours and hours, let people start mm -hmm. transition areas, either, you know, cap the field size, make it smaller transition areas have three by three foot squares. I mean, more room for people to change. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing about the running races is, you know, if you're not going to limit the field size, maybe you just space the corrals further apart and the mm -hmm. starting times further apart. And even mm -hmm. maybe you have a four hour window for a bunch of people to run a 10 K. Right. And it's the same type of thing. Like you start whenever. And as long as your, you know, D tag goes through the start and goes through the finish, then that's the result. So it's almost mm -hmm. like some of these races could be run, but you don't really know who breaks the tape. Right. Uh, unless, unless they all move to some type of elite seated start, which mm -hmm. seems unlikely for smaller races. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I think that, um, I mean, I know the Atlanta Track Club is really hopeful for Petrie on July 4th. I don't think, like, I don't even see how it's even possible. I don't uh, either. Thousand people <laughs> in corrals lining up on Petrie. I mean, even if you, did 30,000 people. What are you going to do with them? How are you going to separate mm -hmm. them? It already takes all day, you know, or several hours anyway. So, um, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the one in charge of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you when, when, about the, the peach road race. I, I, I do think the idea. So if, if right now, like we're in this virtual space and you, you have 48 hours to do whatever it is you need to do for the race, right. Or like a month to do whatever it is you need to do for the race. Right. That's kind of where we are right now. If like, and, and the opposite, of course, of, of a virtual race would be, you know, everybody shows up at the same time, gets on the same starting line, they fire the gun and everybody goes, right? I mean, so the idea of what's next is something in between those two, that, right. that there's a 10 hour window or even like a week long window during which you get out onto a specific course and you run this specific course. And at the end of the week, they say, who ran it the fastest? This guy ran it the fastest, ergo, this guy wins. Um, I, I think that's interesting concept. Um, that and, just changes the nature of racing so much that it's not mm -hmm. even racing anymore. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not like head to head, break the tape, you know, struggling against your competitors type racing. I mean, right. I, you know, several years ago in like 2012, 2013, um, Ironman started changing the way that they started their races. They got rid of their big fire the gun mass start. Everybody starts to swim at the same time. Um, and they started staggering the starts a whole lot more. Um, and using wave starts or even just like big long lines and having only a few people start at one time. Um, and that's sort of the norm um, for them now, even in Kona, even at the world championship, Kona, can you see the, the poster behind me? Kona? We do um, see your poster. So, <laughs> All of them. Uh, 
so so that's right well that that one so the rocky one is actually uh, an homage to the philadelphia marathon so yeah um, i wish i could have seen you set yourself up in front of these three posters because i feel <laughs> like there was you know what a whole bunch of getting it perfect there, there there wasn't anything getting perfect about being in front of the posters there was a, a little bit of work with the lighting here but <laughs> um but but I, as i think about it maybe like next week I'll, I'll try and move things around a little bit more and maybe get like a different part of the selection of posters here. So we'll see. Um, but, uh, but anyway, um, um, I, that even in Kona this year, they moved to a staggered start and they had several waves, like 10 different waves in which they started people. And so, so Ironman has already kind of been moving in the direction of spacing out the starts and all that stuff for totally different reasons. Right. Um, but, but they've already kind of been moved in that direction. So I don't know how much this would be a shift for them. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Um, I mean, what do you, th I mean, does it, does it, does it fire you up still? Um, no, mm -hmm. not at all. I mean, part of the rush is the bus ride out to the start with a mass of people. And I mean, I can, I run by myself 99% of the time I feel like, so to not, it just, it would not feel the same to me. Mm -hmm. Um, if they were going to do it for the world marathon majors and that's just how it were, or that's how it's going to be. Um, I think I would still participate. I don't think I wouldn't participate just because of that, but I definitely hope that if something like that is instituted, it is sort of just something that over the next year or two, maybe it takes three years, you know, it fades into what we were all used to. Yeah. Um, so I agree. It's kind of like if we talk about, uh, Trend. Are we going to talk about Disney World reopening? Yeah, we are. <laughs> and like, well, we both read this article that said, like, should you go or shouldn't you go? And mm -hmm. one of the things was, can you handle Disney World if it's not exactly the way you remember it? Like, mm -hmm. is it good enough just to be there, mm -hmm. even if it's different? So mm -hmm. is it good enough just to run Boston, even if it's a, you know, not an official start and waves go all day long? Yeah, it's good enough. Is it the same? No. Mm -hmm. Am I still going to do it? Yeah, probably. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the way I feel about it and, and I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't like it when Iron Man moved to the wave starts because I like the big mass starts because if you cross the finish line Nobody in front of somebody, that means you beat them, you know, right. um, even it's, it's chaotic. And, and, and as much as a, those swims were physical and I was in the dead middle of that swim pack. And so I get that. Um, <laughs> like, like, um, I like knowing that if I passed you, I just passed you. Right. You know, not, oh, I passed you, but you know what? I started before you did, and so I didn't really pass you. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it takes something away from the, the, the purity of the racing. And, and so um, I didn't love that. Like you, though, if this, is what it, if this is what it takes to get to do a race for the next, you know, one year, two years, three years, however long it is, I'm okay right. with that as yeah. long as that ultimately means that, that we would be moving back towards something, you know, right. more like what we're accustomed to. I mean, you know, I, I, I think one thing that I have found over the course of the past month here um, is that, that you know, I, I've raced online. I raced yesterday. I did a race yesterday, a time trial. A virtual on, race. So a virtual race on full gas yesterday. And, and it's, even, it's even virtual of virtual because time trials are like solo. I mean, it's time trial on a bike. I mean, you, you are by yourself anyway. Um, but I got a kick out of doing it and I see my name on the leaderboard and I'm currently leading in my, my age group and that fires me up. And I think it's cool. Yeah. You know, I think um, people are getting faster or doing more because 
I got two emails this week that somebody stole my Strava segments. I didn't even know I had the Strava segment. Like send you these horrible emails about how you're defeated. And like, I mean, I don't even remember the words that they use, but. Dethroned is the word they use. Yeah, dethroned. I got one email two days in a row. So two separate segments. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this makes you feel really bad. (laughs) Those emails often arrive at the worst possible moment. It's like. It's like you, you just had to stop a run because your hamstring was hurting and you're like, oh, and you like stumble over and you, you're like, <laughs> oh, you go to your email looking for something uplifting and you have, you have an email from fucking Strava telling you that you just lost a KOM you didn't even know you had in the first place. So yeah. yeah. So why do people like that? I mean, that's what, I mean, I honestly, <laughs> they really took me to a place of not like self-loathing, but like if that was all if you were all in because of that type of stuff on Strava, like, I mean, I could just imagine that would probably make you feel pretty bad pretty often. Oh yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I, I like Strava, but, but, but as I've told you before, I don't get real hung up on, on where I fall. Yeah. Also, do I go back and try to get those segment records back? Like, do I have to do that now? <laughs> you don't have to, you may if you wish, but you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we, you and I were talking about Disney races as well, because, uh, you know, you, you have, um, you have the Disney marathon, which is in January kind of on your radar. Um, and the Disney marathon is one of the top 10 largest, uh, marathons in the United States. I want to say it's like number four, or number five. Um, and, and yeah, that's a big mass participation race. And my hypothesis, and, and I've told you this, but I don't think I've said it on the podcast yet. And, and I'm using the word hypothesis specifically because it is just a guess Um, very academic so so that's right it's not a prediction but my guess is that that the mass participation races the ones with tens of thousands of people those aren't going to happen for the rest of this year so so petrie is not going to happen the berlin marathon thing is probably not going to happen the boston marathon i don't have a real good feeling about even though i don't want to say that with you sitting here across from me on on zoom um, I'm already there. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Chicago, New York. I don't have a real good sense about those. The, the small local races, like the 5k around the town sure. square, sure. I think those are going to come back. Yeah. I think by the end of the year, those are going to happen. Those, those Christmas 5ks, those jingle jogs and stuff. Turkey I think those trots. are going to happen. I think, I think so as long as the small turkey trots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As long as there's not a big fear of a second round coming right, you mm-hmm. know, because coming in i think mm-hmm. thanksgiving all people will have some small races to i think so too the ones i'm curious about are the medium-sized races the sort of regional 1000 to 2000 people races the, the and that's basically the size of a lot of like ironman branded races um like are those races where are they gonna fall right um and so and i i don't, I don't know the answer to that um but but that that's my prediction is that these smaller races are gonna be the first ones to come back and so if i when i'm looking at thinking about races this fall as I'm just sort of paying, you know, playing with things in my head, I'm thinking about some, some very small, more local races that I've always kind of had vaguely on my radar to run. And I'll be like, this, this year might be a good year to do that because that's going to be the only race this year, you know? Um, So we'll see, but, but Disney world. Yeah. So Disney of course has has all of their races. um, And I think that, just because it's on the other side of the new year, you know, the Disney World Marathon might end up being the first mass participation event to take place. Um, um, the the Star Wars races that we've talked about on this podcast before that I've run before uh, and got some fabulous medals for, they're right over there. Um, <laughs> the, the Star Wars races were supposed to be two or three weeks ago and they were canceled. 
Um, right. the, the next race is not until wine. It's called wine and dine. And these are all in Disney world. Disneyland got rid of their races a couple of years ago. Um, but, uh, but the, the wine and dine is not till November and they're still talking about that race as if they're going to do it. Um, they, and they, have, they haven't put out anything about, you know, they might be changing it. Um, and then the marathon was supposed to begin registration about a month ago and they didn't open registration, but they made it clear that it wasn't because they don't think it's going to happen, but rather because they were in the crush of all the stuff being canceled and rescheduled right. and all of that right. stuff a month ago that they couldn't add on top of that a 25,000 person registration for marathons going on, which I think is probably accurate. Um, yeah, I think it's accurate and fair and it's a lot less to undo if they have to undo it if they didn't open registration to begin with. So Exactly, exactly. And, and, and what does it hurt? What does it hurt to actually put it off for another two months? If somebody's able, not able to register for the Disney World Marathon until August, as opposed to registering in in March, is that really that big a difference? I don't think it is. Um, I think most people- if that marathon opens for registration, it's gonna be just fine to sell out. I agree. Even if, even if they go all the way to 12 weeks before race day, the people that run those races, that wanna run those races, mm -hmm. they're gonna sign up and they're gonna make the trip. And I they agree. start training the next day, but- I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. So there was a meeting this morning um, of the, the Orange County, Florida Planning Commission. Um, that's uh, th this group of people that's uh, all around trying to bring back together uh, and, and talking about how to actually phase in the reopening of businesses down there in, uh, in and around Orlando. And that's a very particular challenge, uh, given, uh, given the fact that they have not just Disney World there, but they also have you know Universal and all these like medium-sized parks as well. Um, and they came up with a, a series of guidelines that and mandates that parks would need to follow, um, even if even though they didn't come up with actually a timeline, right? Right. So they were things like marking off six feet apart so that people who are waiting in line would have to actually wait in line six feet apart. Um, Staff have to regularly wipe down all the surfaces and stuff like that. Staff who are over 65 years old don't stay, don't come. Um, and maybe even visitors who are over 65 don't come. Um, employees have to wear face masks, uh, touchless hand sanitizers in a lot of different places, um, temperature checks for staff prior to the start of the shift, um, wiping down all the railings and stuff like that. And then in phase one, whenever that was, they said it would only run at 50% capacity. Uh, I do think that we, when Disney opens up, we will probably have maximum 50% capacity. Mm -hmm. um, I also read not here, but I don't know if they're thinking about doing it in Shanghai because I think that's where a lot of it's going to be tested when they yeah. open, yeah. but that they would do um, sort of like the boarding stations, like they're doing for Rise of the Resistance mm -hmm. and almost every single line would be like, you only come when it's almost your time to mm -hmm. get on the ride. I mean, right. can you imagine people like six feet apart between everybody waiting to ride a ride at Disney, there'd be, you couldn't walk in the, you couldn't get from ride to ride because the lines would be way into right. the street. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine not only like just the logistics of it, but even like the policing of it. Like how would yeah. you actually make that work? You know, with a bunch of little kids, you know? <laughs> so so it's, it's just, it's just kind of hard to imagine how, how to actually make that work. Um, they actually and, have that at, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, but I've ironically, um, the micro center at like Powers Ferry between Delk Road and Windy Hill. Mm -hmm. I think I went there three times growing up, but I've been three times in the past five weeks and they have that. And it's almost impossible if there's 40 people in the checkout line, six feet apart. Mm -hmm. You, I don't know. I can't imagine it would work at Disney World. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's literally thousands upon thousands of people there. 
I, we'll see. The other thing too, but because like you said, they're going to be testing out a lot of this stuff in Shanghai. The other thing with Shanghai though, in China, remember every individual in China has a personal QR code, which is something that, that is very distasteful for Americans, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so um, they won't even let you in the park in Shanghai if your QR code does not pop up as you've been you know, green lighted to be able to go back out in public and, and to rejoin crowds and all that sort of thing. Right. And so, so when Shanghai does in fact open and institutes all these sorts of things, we'll see how it goes and we'll definitely learn some lessons from them. But at the same time, they have, they have a situation that we will never have in the United States. Um, yeah. They have a lot more information about so, yeah. their people than we do about ours. <laughs> right. Right. Um, which, you know, is, is something that, like I said, Americans aren't down for, but we'll see. All right. So I'm going to share a screen here. Um, cause we got to talk quickly about things that are bringing us joy and something that is bringing my son's joy is this guy right here. This is Kurt Tochi. Have you watched him? So only because, you know, because I told you you had to, and we're going to be talking about him tonight. So, so my sons, before they, before they, they uh, go to bed every night, they have gotten in the habit of watching Kurt Tochi videos here and, and so much so that they know him by name and that if, if they don't watch those videos, if we're like, okay, fellas, time to go to bed, they're like, we didn't get to watch Kurt Tochi. <laughs> um, and they watch this video over and over and over again. So in the name of things that are bringing us joy, and because we're on YouTube now, I can actually show it to everybody. Um, I'm going to show you this Kurt Tochi video. So if you're listening to us on audio, by all means, I will cut this segment out here before I post it. But we think you should go and check out Kurt Tochi, Disney characters and quarantine on YouTube here. Let's, let's, let's watch it together, Michelle. What do you say? I'm so excited to watch it. All right, all right. So how many people have watched that video? Let's see. How many people have watched the video? It has it has 2.49 million views. Right on, Kurt Tochi. You keep it up. So you can see there, Kurt Tochi. That's K-U-R-T-T-O-C-C-I. 62,000 subscribers. You go, Kurt Tochi. Um, but, uh, but yeah, my sons think he's absolutely hilarious. And he's actually come out with Disney and Characters in Quarantine Part 2, which, you know, maybe we'll watch that next week. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, but so what's the last thing? That's what's bringing me joy this week. Let's talk about the last thing. What's bringing you joy this week, Michelle? You started with my what's bringing me joy. Did you forget? So, so I didn't forget that, but weren't you going to talk about that rowing article? Oh, um, sure. So Sports Illustrated put out sort of a recollection of their 60, I guess, most read or best articles. And uh, there's a coxswain, an article that came out back in 2014. She rode for Cal Berkeley and um, Cal has an amazing rowing team. Uh, she was diagnosed with cancer after her junior year, um, literally went from kind of the highs of everything a junior in college experiences to a stage four lung cancer diagnosis. And it's just a great article. Um, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but you know, she went through all of her treatment and suffered the way everybody suffers when they go through chemotherapy and still came back for uh, a varsity spring season. And, um, you know, it goes through pac tens and NCAAs and kind of what happened after that. And it, it just sort of kind of makes you put the, put everything in perspective right now. Um, so I, used to be a rower so I can relate to a lot of kind of what she went through in that article and a lot of stuff that they talk about in terms of rowing and the team sport and the camaraderie and what happens without it and so it was kind of just metaphorical for almost what every 
one of us is experiencing um, on a daily basis right now where maybe it wasn't a team sport, but some way, shape and form, all of our lives are a little bit, you know, uh, less team oriented than they were before. So um, yeah, it's there. Right on. It's, right on. So. Yeah. It's called SI 60 Cal Coxwing, Jill Costello learned she's in the late stage of cancer, but makes the next year her best. Um, and I was so, really happy. I mean, Sports Illustrated could have reshared anything. So I was, I was happy to see them reshare this. Yeah. And, and I, I haven't finished reading it yet. You put it on my radar today um, and I read about the first half of it and, and, and I'm not a rower. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've followed rowing a little bit. I've had some students who rowed um, and my niece is now a rower. Um, but, um, but still, nonetheless, a lot of the, the, the things I talk about in the article are, are definitely universal. And like you said, very uplifting. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Glad you shared it. Check it out, everybody. We will share the, the link in the, the description of this YouTube video. And then of course, on our, on our Facebook page as well. Um, Michelle, thanks for being with me once again here on the Most Pleasant Zoshin podcast, our first ever YouTube version. <laughs> I'm so glad I downloaded the YouTube app recently. So, <laughs> <help> now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance at itlcoaching.com. On Twitter, at itlcoaching at Facebook, facebook.com slash performance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, SlayerX. You can find them at slayerx.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash here4slayerx. That's the number four, here4slayerx. On Instagram at here for SlayRx, again the number four, and on Twitter at official SlayRx. Don't forget the discount code Pleasant2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. <laughs>